Welcome to Brand Me. I'm Preston Conrad, and on this show, we'll talk all things branding, from launching a product line to owning your side hustle. We'll talk to the movers, the shakers, the thought leaders. What do you say we finally stop focusing on brands X, Y, and Z and focus on brand me? Let's start the show. It's not easy to get started on this. Do I suggest you get started with a small budget? Try it out yourself if you can. Yeah, I'm all for DIY, but at a certain point, you've got you've to spend. It takes money to make money. Today's episode is brought to you by my brand, Preston Conrad Home. Living a stylish life does not have to be overly complicated or expensive. The magic of home decor is really made through the fun finishing touches, which quite too often come with big box middlemen and luxury brand price tags. With Preston Conrad Home, everybody can now inject major style into their space with minimal effort and no furniture shopping required with our new luxury home fragrance collection. Just in time for fall, you can choose from five stunning luxury candle scents, all made in America, or our new hand wash collection, both of which will instantly transport yourself to another world while transforming your space at the very same time. As a listener of today's show, you can take 10% off of your purchase of any single item on Preston Conrad Home using the offer code BRANDME. That's PrestonConradHome.com, offer code BRANDME. Hey guys, on today's episode, we are chatting with Julia Lavallo. Julia is a creative marketing consultant here in New York City who helps brands, businesses, bloggers, agencies grow and achieve their goals. And we get into a really amazing conversation from everything growth, whether it is SEO and working with Facebook and Meta, uh, to marketing and how much you need to spend no matter what size budget you have to grow your brand, your personal brand, or your company. So I think you're going to really find this conversation interesting with Julia. And if you're looking to start a side hustle, you will particularly will love Julia's story of how she started her consulting. Uh, I can't wait for you to hear this. And without further ado, here's Julia. Hi, Julia Lavallo. How are you? Hey, good evening. How are you? I'm good. You know, I have to let everyone know that we did see each other today because we work together quite often. So this is a this is a nice double feature that I'm getting today. So a thanks for taking treat. the time. <laughs> thanks for taking the time. Um, I was so excited to have you on this podcast. I know you were on my last podcast before talking all things, but you and I have known each other from when I very first set out to brand myself as Preston Conrad when I built my very first blog my very first logo, and you've done so many things since then. And I think you're a great guest to have on this Brand Me show because I think a lot of people are trying to do what I did then and what you're doing now. Um, You currently work as a marketing uh, strategist. You have your own consulting firm. You work with me um, and you help brands, creators um, do just that, grow and brand themselves. And I wanted to know, to kick it off. Did you always want to be brand Julia? Or did you or, or were you like, I'm going to be a corporate, I'm a corporate queen. And brand Julia was just kind of like a byproduct. No, Preston, I'm crazy. I've always wanted to do this. I've always wanted to be on my own. And that was always a goal. Every time I got a job in corporate or every day I was, you know, plowing through the nine to five always with a goal at some day when the right time comes, I'm going to switch gears and go out on my own and be my own brand. 
but I had to wait for the time to be right for many different reasons. And you kind of just know when that's ready to happen. So that was exciting. That was an exciting turning point. So yes, definitely. When did you know? When did you know? Was there a a moment when you're at your desk and you're like, I'm out of here? You know what, Preston? Honestly, the financials had to be right. You know, it's pretty scary to go out on your own. And when I had saved up enough money and when I had the right kinds of clients, like a little mix to get off the ground, that's when I felt like all the stars aligned. And you'll kind of like have a a turning point. You'll know know when that's right. And when all those things came together, that was the time. I felt the financial thing too, right before I started my company. I was panicked about how I was going to pay my bills without a set income. But once you got over that, how did you know? Talk to me a little bit about what services you were going to offer as brand Julia, marketing growth strategist for brands, creators, and businesses? Like you're probably good at a lot of things, but how did you kind of like nail down that offering? You know what? I didn't, not at first. You know, I kind of build myself as like the Julia of all trades and took any <laughs> client. <laughs> and that's like yep. very tiring, but it's yep. still kind of true. But yep. I took any client on at the beginning because I was. You know, it's like a proof of concept. All right, I'll see what works and what doesn't work. I'll try everything. I'll work with big. I'll work with small. I'll work with medium. I'll work with this random person. I'll work with that other random thing to A, make money and to B, gain experience. And then to C, yeah. to learn what I liked and what I really did it. And then eventually after seven, eight years, I've been doing that. It kind of like shook out and all those things that were really bumpy ironed themselves out. So I didn't know what those services were. I was like, I'll do this. I'll do that. I'm pressing kind right. of like... Yeah. Hello, me. I was doing window (laughs) displays. I was doing this. I was doing that. I was doing a little of everything because A, we're both hustlers. B, you need the coins and you want to figure out what you like best. Yeah, and totally. And went through that exercise and through those couple years of like figuring that out, it definitely wasn't overnight. I learned I didn't love like throwing everything on the table, but I also learned that I loved, and you only kind of realize this after you get like a year under your belt of when you do become your own brand. But I love a lot, a little bit of everything. And so just taking that hundred pieces down to like two pieces was what that years of like couple years of experience. How, how, how'd you feel about when I first started, I was like, I'm good at this. I'm good at this. I'm good at this. I can do this for you. I can do this for you. Kind of the same thing. Did you ever get a little bit of a, trepidation of, oh God, maybe I'm over-promising this. Maybe I'm saying I can do this, but it's not really my wheelhouse, but I know I'll figure it out. Like walk me through that kind of phase because I feel like when going off on your own, you are often hungry. There's low hanging fruit. You're like, I I just got to make this work. Did you ever feel like you were setting yourself up (laughs) for for something you couldn't do? (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's like a loaded question because like the answer is definitely yes. And I had my like Shonda Rhimes like year of yes when you just kind of were saying yes to all all of that work. Um, There were definitely failures and I kind of knew it going into it, but I was like, I'm going to either do it for the money or I'm going to do it and and learn from it. And you have to, I think you have to have failures and be unsuccessful at certain times to set yourself up for success in the future. Or you don't know what success looks like. That's so true. How, I mean, you have worked with, I mean, 
Boland Branch, Sephora, Domino Magazine, La Mer, Coach. I mean, you work with brands that can it creative now, <laughs> but you work with brands that are household names that everybody knows. I think a lot of people are interested in doing something similar and starting off on their own path. I think a big part of it is pricing. How did you set about, obviously not talking about your pricing and your fee structure on this podcast, but how does that, what does that process look like? Figuring out your worth when going off on your own. Yeah, that's a great question. And, and you know, when I think back to beginning, I kind of took whatever, whenever, because I wasn't um, as sure. But as you right. gain more experience, you have to be flexible in how you price yourself and how you set yourself up for your clients to be able to um, work with you. You know, I see a yeah. lot of like-minded individuals and people like myself out there like, I only have a retainer fee and it's X amount of money and I only do this. I'm like, great, that sounds awesome. But then when you're out of, when you don't have a client for three months, you're not right. being flexible. So, you know, flexibility is really key because then you can take on, I truly think you could take on more when you're more flexible. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of number crunching. It's a lot of, okay, if I had a full-time job, how much would I want to make or how much do I need to make to afford my life and afford the yep. things that I want to do? And then you kind of like backtrack, you know, you break it down. All right, I'm going to work 50 weeks a year. I'm going to work five hours a day. I'm going to work three and a half weeks a month, you know, kind of try to figure that out. Yep. So you could find yourself your hourly fee, or you can also from that fee set a weekly rate, a day rate, a monthly rate, but you've got to be flexible because clients, all those clients you listed, Preston, are so, they're all in like the similar industries, but they're also diverse from yep. a size standpoint or from a global location standpoint, and they all are going to want to pay you differently. So yep. as long as you kind of know, in a way, a general answer to many different kinds of questions, I think that's, that's really something to set up for yourself. What do they like to pay more? Hourly? Project? weekly? What do clients want to pay? What, what do clients want to pay the most? It's really interesting because I think a lot of people are dabbling in freelance. I have friends that work full-time jobs that are dabbling in a little something. And I think it's scary because you get your check from your company and then you're going out to another company saying, pay me this. And you're like, oh, but ooh, I'm scared. Like, what do they want to pay most? I have been seeing more like re monthly retainer or weekly yep. rates. Yep. I think it also depends on your service. If you're um, maybe like a graphic designer and you're sitting in an office for like, I'm actually not sitting in an office right now because nobody's sitting in offices, right. <laughs> but they're, you know, they, they have you on call for like the day and you're, they're paying you a day rate, but that's just one fifth of your weekly rate, which is one fourth of your monthly rate. So kind yep. of like breaking it down that way. Um, yep. I remember I had a, like a price list when I first started. Okay. If you want a logo, it's like this many dollars. And if you want a website, it's this many dollars. And sometimes I would send that to my smaller clients. Like for example, when I was working with you probably in like 2012, I probably sent you a price list. Yeah. Um, but, but as you kind of work through it year after year, you find that there's fluidity to those numbers that you think you're going to put in stone. Totally. Um, it's interesting. So when we first met, it's because you did my very first logo and my very first website. And um, you have your own, when I Googled you before we chatted today, I Googled your name, even though I know you in and out. And your website is the very first thing that pops up. Tell me about the importance of how that happened, how you got to the very first search result there. And then once I clicked into your website, 
about the brand you've created for yourself from your website layout to your logo? What did that process look like for you? And what do you think it looks like for people that are just dabbling into starting their own thing? You know, when people are dabbling into something new for themselves, I think there's a lot of um, hesitation and trepidation because you might not be totally sure. But my philosophy is pick something, be sure of something and get it out there. Yep. You're going to have to tweak it as you go along. So when I started off, it definitely didn't look like how it does now. And even how it looks now, it should look even better. You know, it's always a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Your brand is a living, breathing thing. You're a living, breathing thing. So you have to treat your digital presence, your personal presence as such, and there's a level of maintenance. So I would suggest for somebody starting out or even an exercise that's good for anybody at any point is to take a piece of paper, write down your business name or write down the service you're providing. One line, one line. This is the most important thing. One line about what you do. Not two, not three, not a paragraph. That's really long. No one's going to understand it. Yeah. And keep things simple and, you know, align about what you do, some bullet points on services and just an, a very small outline to start your site or to start your renovation on your site or your makeover of your site. Because with a clear direction and a clear communication and clear understanding, even though you still might want to fix it down the road, that's cool. Just get it out there. You're going to start doing yourself a level of service by having that clear communication um, present for those that look to stumble upon you. And that's what brought up my website as most likely the first search result is that, you know, my name's front and center. There's one line about me. I put the buzzwords of what I do in there. And over time, Google has crawled the site correctly to bring those search results to number one, but it definitely was not like that to start. And that's, that's cool. So like people get so hung up on it to get started. Don't you know, or you'll never do See, that, it. What you just said there, that like the Google crawl or whatever, was it? Was it Google yeah, crawl? Yeah. Yeah. yeah crawl I love that shit. When you talk about that shit, I get high. Because <laughs> it's, stuff that, it's stuff that I don't know that much about, but is so crucially important, whether it, you know, it's SEO or your advertising. Talk to me a little bit about discovery. So like you've built your, you've done your one sentence thing. You've got your bullets. You got a great site that you did on Squarespace with this really cool template. You're ready to start your side hustle or your new freelance venture. How the hell do people find you? Because I found you so quickly. Yeah. I mean, Google is like, it takes, it's taking over the world, like literally taking over the world. Well, so is Facebook slash meta, but, um, totally. <laughs> you can go like all into that in a minute, but you have to have a really solid, clear presence on the web. I even think that's more important than social media as we still are Googling a ton of stuff and search results are. And after working with many diverse clients from many different industries, from many different countries, the only way people are, the number one way people are finding those clients is through search, right? Best lipstick, Sephora comes up first, right? Um, Web design, I might come up first, you know, so it doesn't matter your size. It's truly, truly so important to try to attempt to do some sort of search engine optimization on your site. And that is um, definitely like a loaded thing to say is like try to do SEO. That's what search engine optimization stands for. But with that clear, um, those clear words on your homepage and on your sub pages, 
you will come up in the searches you wish to be found for. And that's an element of discovery that is such a key way to attract an audience and to grow your business from people that don't know you. I still think there's a huge thing to be said for word of mouth and just power. I was going to ask you like word of mouth, what, what were, what weight does that carry in your world? Because I know in my world, it's 90% of what Kenneth does as an agency is through that world. And my work comes to me through word of mouth too, Preston, you know, it's, it didn't happen at first and over time it did luckily. And I think that, you know, I was, I was listening to like, I think it was your first episode of this podcast or even the trailer. And it was like, what are people saying about you when you're not in the room? And I hope that I've worked hard enough and done enough good work that that's why I'm referred. And it's really important to do a good job for your clients and to do a good job in your business because that is how you will get more work. That is how you will get more jobs. People like people that do a good job. Totally. And, and, and they're not, nice. Yeah, right. And it's like, it's nice to be nice to the nice, but you know, you really do have to you do have to work hard. It's this the stuff doesn't come easy. And if it does, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> what are your thoughts on testimonials? I've been kind of toying with this idea of reaching out to like CEOs that that we've worked with or investors and like getting blurbs to put on my agency site, but like is that old school and weird or is it nice to see like, oh, the CEO of this X billion dollar company says this agency is great and they do X, Y, Z. Is that old school? Like, where do you stand? Um, I think like for you with an established agency, the testimonials don't have to be front and center on your site. They could be if right. somebody is asking, you have like a case study to show or like a PDF of some testimonials to send or something. But yep. I think if you're kind of first starting out and you have had one or two clients under your belt, it really would be valuable to get testimonials from them as you grow, you know, mm. potential prospectful um, businesses yep. that look to work with you are going to want some level of legitimacy. And if they go to your site and you don't have a lot of work yet or something, testimonials could take the place mm. of that and like do have a lot of weight to it. So yep. yes, to starting out, probably not so much five, 10 years down the road. It's just yep. not, you know, they're like, I trust him or like yep. so-and-so referred him. He He's a good guy, you know? Yep. Oh God, it's old school. Yeah. The referral I, way. I don't know. But <laughs> don't you think that like word of mouth is kind of old, old school, but no. I do. Yeah. I, it, it's just, but it's just the way this city runs. It's just the way New York is. It's, I know a guy who, oh, so-and-so we work together here or they did this campaign for that. So I very much believe in word of mouth and that's based on one really important thing, which is reputation, you know? how nice you are and what great a work you do, no matter yeah, how expensive and, or cheap it is. And that's your, that's your personal brand. Like you want to do a good job because you're responsible for it and it's your yep. name on the line and it's personally you that people are talking about. So, yep. you know, if, if you're not like hitting home runs, then you're, you're going to, your brand is going to suffer. And I just like say that to just stress that, um, you just want to, deliver on time these, you know, the deadlines and make your clients reach their goals. And with that comes more work, hopefully. Totally. Um, so we talked a little bit about Julia, the brand, how you got set up, uh, some best practices. But I think there's a lot of people listening that may work for brands or have their own brand. Um, and there's a lot of stuff, you know, lady, about growing brands, advertising, 
digital influencer. And I think, I know I'm running into this right now with my com- one of my companies, Preston Conrad Home, mm-hmm. is that it's time for us to start spending at Meta. Mm. <laughs> it used to be called Facebook. <laughs> time to open up the checkbook to Meta. Right. Uh, and start giving them some money. How does that What's that world look like for a brand that's they're they're established, but they're ready to start spending a little bit of money? Walk me through that. So let's case study you. You just said you're ready to spend. How do you know you're ready to spend? Why are you saying you want this? Well, we have kind of all of our growth is organic. So it's coming from my personal Instagram account. Mm-hmm. It's coming from my Preston Conrad home Instagram account or through word of mouth, sharing, influencer unboxings. We don't spend on advertising. What we did was we did a little bit of testing. I think you actually helped me. We put some creative together. We tested this stuff just to get people to the site, not to buy, just to get them there to what is it, cookie them, cookie yeah. the, these people, to cookie them up, let them trigger up my my pixel, your pixel, yeah, those, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get my my pixel all seasoned up, and you know now we we've got a, a a nice pool of people that we could retarget and be like, hey, come back and spend with us. So the reason we know it's time is because we've we've gotten the right pool and we want to grow. We want to grow our sales, triple our sales, quadruple our sales, and prepare th- for the future. And I think the way to do that is through digital spend ads. No. You are thinking correctly. Everything you said is what I would hope somebody would say when they say they're ready to spend through digital marketing and through definitely ad spend. Um, yep. What was like really key about what you said and what's important, and I would recommend anybody at any size, is that you've already like done all the other things. You've done yep. social media. You've tried some like influencer stuff. You put a little bit behind it, little things here and there. So you kind of know what's working, you kind of know what's not, and you sort of have an idea of what message, maybe what picture is resonating. So that's going to make life easier for you when you go to spend on ads. You're not going to flush a ton of money down the drain. And that is something I see a lot. You know, there's clients that are starting off in their business, or if you are a solopreneur and you're looking to market your services, I would not recommend all like from day one going and spending on, on social, because you don't really have any ground to step your foot in, step your foot on. You know, what's crazy though. There's a photographer we work with who shoots some PK home stuff for us. Mm-hmm. You know how I found her and she does insane photography for us. Mm-hmm. She ran a sponsored Instagram post that was like for her name, for her, her personal name. brand. Yeah. 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 And she, well, she had probably a profile of some sort. Right. Yes. Yes. So she, like, we talk about like peppering the pixel and seasoning the pixel, but you have to like put something out there first. Right. So you've got to have some creative on your social. You have to have something on the site. You have to have some reason that people are coming to your site. You have to have your site with the pixel so that we can start to target down the road and um, then go for it. You know, but my my major recommendation, and I'm glad that you're starting off saying this, that you definitely want to start to test and put a small ad budget behind several different sets of creative, several different messaging, so you can see what's working and what's not, so that you can then step two, go out there with a bigger spend. You will get return on your ad spend if done correctly, but I see it done incorrectly a lot. 
Yeah. That's the fear. And would you recommend working with a, oh, I don't know, someone like a Julia Lavallo? Because I think my fear would be, cool, we got a couple pennies lined up. We're ready to spend. I've got creative A and B. I did a little test. I know that B is better. I'm going to run B. That The back end of that Facebook ads manager may as well be a foreign language to me. It is so terrifying. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I'm, my particular services don't cover like, okay, the, right. all the different buttons that you need to push on a daily basis to ensure the ad sets running to the right eyeballs at the right time. Yeah. So, um, you know, no, I'm not the best person for that, but I know a person that is right. So there's but my You would referral. recommend someone in you, if you have saved up and you're ready to spend, would you recommend not doing it on your own and just YouTubing it? <laughs> if you're ready to spend like a thousand dollars a month on ad spend, definitely yep. take another $300 and pay somebody yep. else to do it for you because yep. there's a lot of murky water out there and it's, it's very complicated. So it's not yeah. easy to get started on this. Do I suggest you get started with a small budget? Try it out yourself if you can. Yeah, I'm all for DIY, but at a certain point, you've got to, you've got to spend. It takes money to make money and you might break even. You probably will break even for a couple of months, but then yep. you'll start to see like 110% ROI, 200% yep. ROI, 300% ROI as you mm. optimize your ad sets. Mm. So yes, takes money to make money when it comes to digital ads, 100%. Wow. That's... It's super daunting, but it is um, a must. It's a must do in in growth. I think. I mean, what are your thoughts on new frontiers like um, playing with TikTok to advertise your brand? Do you think that's an interesting um, way to advertise? Yeah, a thousand percent for the right brand. But there's a lot of people that should not be on TikTok <laughs> because I don't think they're going to see success on yep. that platform, right? Yep. Either their audience isn't there or the service they're offering isn't there. However, there's a lot of creativity on that platform. So if you're doing something you that you, like is traditionally ho-hum and you're a creative person and you're going to put it out on TikTok in a really funky way, you definitely are going to go for it. You're definitely going to see success there, right? Like we see like these like financial dudes and um, talking about like, right? Investing yeah, these guys TikTok, that are investing right? on TikTok yeah, that go yeah. viral and it's so interesting. Like, so I think there is a lot of room on TikTok. And from what I understand, it's a lot cheaper right now to advertise your brand on TikTok than it is on Instagram and Facebook through Meta, right? Yeah, because it's a area of huge opportunity. Yep. Huge okay. opportunity. Another area... Um, God, I could talk to you forever. We're going to run out of time soon. Another area that you know really well is influencer space, is the influencer space. I happen to be a creator, influencer myself, part-time. What are your thoughts on brands using some of their hard-earned money to use influencers to promote their products and to advertise? Do you think the landscape's changed Okay. So yeah, there's two questions there. Should they do influencer marketing? Yeah, sure. Why not? Go ahead. Do it all. Right. Like (laughs) spend all the money um, for the right size uh, company. It's a uh, great way to get a whole new audience onto your pages and to see what you're offering. How big a a company? mm, I mean, they have to have they would ideally have six figures to run a perfect influencer campaign. So yes very big, um, as a part of your larger marketing mix. And it should tie back to, you know, other departments uh, running other things. It shouldn't sit on its own as a silo. Um, or it just won't be successful, but influencer marketing without a clear direction is wasted money. So unless you're 
getting influencers to send audience back to you or to do a contest or some promotion or talk about something new. There's no point to it. On a small level for like a new brand starting off for somebody who has a small product, um, you know, Preston, you were saying you guys did some influencer unboxing. That's a great way to start and test those waters, right? Did you guys have success when you did the unboxing? It really helped us a lot. I mean, I know a lot of these people. So I, you know, went through Instagram, DM'd a shitload of people that had 50, 100, 200, a million followers and was like, hey, I'm starting this brand. Can I send you something? You know, it's never guaranteed that they're going to post it. So you make the box look all cute and, you know, whatever, as cute as you can, because I get them all the time. But it worked. We got a lot. We got a lot of impressions from it. And it really helped us launch. And how much did that cost you? It cost me the product, really, right. only. I mean, and the shipping. It was right. the same. The The one thing that I wish we had done, but we were too small, was um, we were just being so cheap, was trick out these mailing boxes more and design this crazy mailing box. But they were so expensive, Julia. They were like 4 $5 a box, like, at scale. And it was like, you know, I didn't feel like that was right. It's also like not really sustainable. So I think that influencers are seeing like pleasure in companies that are keeping mailings really like slim and not a lot of foo-foo just for many reasons from a cost perspective, environmental perspective. So um, yeah, I I do see a lot of cold press mailers out there, right? But um, that's fine. And you know, you said said some great things that I would recommend to anybody if you have a product, um, test it out. You don't have to spend a ton to try that channel. But yep. without a product, it's really hard to promote a service through influencer marketing. That's so true. Do you have, I, I have a couple questions I ask everybody every episode. One is just because I'm genuinely curious and it could be any brand from any point in your life. Is there a brand memory that just lives in your head rent-free? Like an interaction that you had with a brand that just is like sticks with you? Yeah, I I um, was thinking about this today when I was walking in the streets of Manhattan, and we see a lot of these legacy retailers that have closed, and it yep. like breaks my heart. It makes me have all the feels because these are brands that have been around for hundreds of years but are no longer. And yep. it just makes me think, you know, truly what was the breaking point? Was it the rise of e-com? Was it, and it gets my, my wheels moving because I'm crazy and I come from We're a family of, of retailers. <laughs> yeah, from family <laughs> yeah. as our friends. That's why we work yeah. Um, but you know these 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 legacy brands like um, like Lord and Taylor, like we were talking so today about Bendel's. You know these these places that have had these stores there for so long. Um, it, it it lives in my my mind a lot because of the fact that they're no longer and and they were they were yeah. there for so long. And um, reinvention, you know, it, it, yeah. some of them couldn't keep up, and it, it just it just breaks my heart. It makes me sad. I don't know why I'm like leaving. You know what a brand is doing good job is Nordstrom. Nordstrom has done a great job of reinvention, uh, working with influencers, bringing in dis- disruptor brands, yeah. investing in technology. You can drop off at a little thingy and scan a thingy and get right. your refund. Like, right. they did a great job. They were like one of the first retail stores to do um, AR experiences, augmented reality within the shop. They yep. really do try to keep up with what's happening and yep. that does help their bottom line. And you read about that all the time, but not everybody else was so quick on the jar nor no. maybe had the money to do it. I mean, that's what it comes back to. But Did you hear about Saks Works? Yeah, their co-working space. 
How crazy. I mean, so they've taken over on Fifth Avenue. There's a co-working space, but they just opened a Saks Works in like Greenwich, Connecticut yeah. on Main Street. I mean, what do you think of that reinvention? Hey, they, if they have the real estate and they're not doing very well selling through the floor, then by yep. all means, figure out another way to make that space work for them. And that's for people what, like us. Yeah, for people <laughs> like us that need a place to go that isn't their basement, yep. but uh, to have a quiet call. Totally. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's just you know, brands reinventing them, brands reinventing themselves, stores reinventing themselves. And again, it goes back to what we're talking about, just like flexibility. Like there's an example of like Saks having to be flexible in order to stay relevant and to... Um, to, to make money. Right. Yeah. And, and, and as small brands, big brands, we all have to be able to do that. If we care to stay in the market for long, hundreds of years, tens of years, dozens of years, yeah. however long it may be. My last question that I ask everybody is, is, was there a personal branding moment in brand Julia that you thought was a brand failure that really ended up being a brand blessing for you in disguise? We talked about this would say like, yes, to all these projects and be like, shit, I can't do that. (laughs) We'll hire somebody else to do it and say I'm doing it or like, however, I had to make it work. So it was a failure and it was also a win. But yeah. I was like, you know, it was one of those like, oh shit moments. <laughs> you need a bunch of oh shit moments to re- to get your, oh shit, like a moment, you know, well, like they, totally. they one to get the other. Totally. And those were big ones. And I yeah. have little ones every day where it's like little things like, oh shit, did I say something in that email or did I word that correctly? Like there's always, you always are second guessing yourself if you're, if you're trying to do a good job. Totally. Well, I'm not second guessing having you on as a guest on this. Oh, then you're doing a good job. (laughs) Because you were amazing. Um, How can everyone find um, you online um, to learn more about your services and what you offer? Just go to julialavallo.com. It's L O V A L L O. Or you can Google Creative Marketing NYC, and I should be the first to pop up. Damn, that's good SEO. (laughs) Yeah. That Google's crawling, the pixels firing. I don't, know how, I don't know how it's doing it, but it's doing it. You did a great job. <laughs> Julia, thank you so much for taking a beat to chat with me about work after work hours. I love it. It's my pleasure, Preston. And thank you for having me on. It's always lovely to chat with you. See you on the other side. All right. Adios. For more on the show, you can find us on Instagram at Brand Me Podcast or at Preston Conrad. Be sure, of course, to rate, review, and subscribe and share on social. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll catch you next week.